I want us to look at courage to change. Are you who you want to be? And we're going to talk about the greatest change that can take place in our life today. Look with me in John chapter 20 and verse number one as we look at the Easter story together. The scripture says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter then came out with the other disciple, and they went toward the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying. Verse 7, and the napkin, notice that, and the napkin, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but rolled up, or one translation says, says it, it was wrapped up or, or it was folded, folded in place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. The Easter story. Understand that God created Adam and Eve, the first man and first woman. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They, they sinned and sin was ushered into our world. God looked down at humanity and he saw the sin problem that was taking place with the human race. And God knew the only solution for the sin problem in humanity was Jesus Christ. And so God sent his only son into the world. And Jesus is the only one who's ever lived a perfect and sinless life. And Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for my sins and for your sins. And not only did he die on Friday, and I love the old saying, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And Sunday came and Jesus got up on the third day with all power in his hands by the mighty power of God. He got up and the Bible says early that Sunday morning, Mary showed up at the tomb. She was grieving and she saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb and she ran and she went and told the other disciples listen the, the stone has been removed and he is he's risen Jesus is not there any longer and so the disciples came running and the Bible says that when Peter got inside of the tomb he looked something very interesting the Bible says that he saw the linen lying there, the grave clothes lying there. They, they were thrown aside, probably laying on the ground. And then the Bible says he saw the napkin. And the napkin was placed on Jesus' face when he was dead. And the Bible says that the napkin was, was folded and it was laid to the side. The scripture says by itself. Now this is so important that the Bible took an entire verse to talk about a napkin. And the question is, why? Well, I found some interesting things as I was studying this week. There are some who say that this was a Jewish custom, this, this napkin. And, and, and the servant 
would set the table for his master back in Jewish days, in the early days. And every Jewish boy would know about this, this napkin. And, and the master would sit at the table as the, as his servant would go back into the, into the distance to watch the master eat. Not to bother the master, but yet could keep an eye on what, if the master needed something. And the master would sit and he would eat his food. And, and, and when the master was eating and he would get up from the table and if the master was done with his food, he would, he would clean his hands. He would wipe his beard and then he would throw the napkin aside. And that meant that the master was done and the servant would come and clean the table. But if, if the master was eating his food and, and the master got up and wiped his hands and cleaned his beard and, and he didn't throw the napkin, but he folded the napkin. And he laid the napkin to the side and he walked away. The servant would see the folded napkin and the servant knew that the master is not finished yet, that that the master is coming back. So don't clear the table because he's coming back. As disciples walked into that tomb on that early Sunday morning, and they looked in there, not only did they see an empty tomb, but the Scripture says that they saw the napkin, and they saw the napkin. It was not thrown aside with the grave clothes, but the napkin was folded, and it was laid aside by itself. And the disciples, as they walked in that tomb that third day morning, they knew that Jesus is alive, and he's not finished yet. They knew that Jesus is coming back. He is not done. The napkin's folded. He's not finished. He is coming back. And friends, can I tell you that Jesus Christ is not finished yet. He's not finished saving people. He's not finished healing people. He's not finished putting broken lives back together again. He's not finished setting people free. He's not finished delivering from addictions. Jesus Christ is not finished changing lives. I submit to you today that the napkin is folded and our Savior is not finished. And I could take this message a lot of angles today, but I want to zoom in on two. And I want to talk to you about two things that Jesus is not finished doing yet. The first is this. He's not finished saving sinners. He's not finished saving sinners. The Bible says that Jesus came into this world for one reason, to save sinners. And the Bible talks about this in a very familiar portion of Scripture to many. In John chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, the Bible says, For God so loved the world. Let me pause here. Sir, God loves you. Ma'am, God loves you. Herbert, you don't know what I've done. God loves you. Herbert hadn't been to church in years. God, God loves you you. Herbert, only if you have known how much I've blown it, how much I've done wrong, you wouldn't say that, friends. I tell you today, God can't love you any more than he loves you right now. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He did not send Jesus into the world to condemn you, to beat you up, to knock you on top of your head and say, I can't believe what you're doing and to condemn you and make you feel nasty and dirty. That's not why Jesus came. That's not what Jesus is all about. That's not what people's church is all about. 
He didn't come to condemn the world, but what did he come to do? But to save the world through him. Jesus came to save sinners. Please understand that there are two kinds of people in the world today. And the distinction is not black and white or rich and poor or Republican and Democrat or educated and uneducated. Listen, in the eyes of God, there are those who have already been saved and those who need to be saved. And when God looks at humanity, that's what he sees. There's two distinctions. Those who are already saved and and those who need to be saved. And friends, can I tell you that if you're not saved today, God wants everybody saved. He wants you saved. The reason that God sent his one and only son is he wants to give you everlasting life. He wants you to spend eternity in his presence. He wants you to be saved. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, well, Herbert, I, I don't really need to be saved. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm I'm not that bad of a person, so I don't really need to be saved. And, And the reason that we think this oftentimes is because we like to compare ourselves to other people. We play the compare game. And we think that we're good people because we say, well, at least I'm better than Tony. And we look and we say, well, I'm, I'm better than, than Tina, so I'm a pretty good person. And you, you know what we like to do? We like to get this list. We like to rank sins. You know, we rank them 1 to 10. 1 being the worst, 10 being not so bad. And we rank our sins, and then we like to look and say, well, I, I've never done one. I haven't done two. Well, I guess I have done three a few times, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I, look, look, Tony's done one and two, so I'm not that bad. I mean, one and two, he's... And I'm not, you know, I look at the list, I'm not that bad. I haven't done four, five, or six, but well, I have done seven, eight, nine, and ten, a whole lot. But, but I haven't done one or two, or four or five. I'm not that bad of a person when I look. And I know a lot more people who have done worse things than I've done. I'm not that. I'm a pretty good person. But friends, God doesn't view sin the way that we view it. God views it differently. He doesn't play the ranking and the list game. The scripture says this in Romans chapter 3 and verse 12. All have turned away. Everybody shout all. That's all inclusive. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. And you say, well, preacher, that's Tony and that's Tina. Well, it goes on to say not even one. I love how the Bible, every time I study this and teach it, I love to point that out. Not even one. Just in case you thought you slipped through and you were the good person, not even one. Not, e- not even one. You cannot get into heaven because you're good. You, you, you'll never be good enough. Please hear me today. Our standard is not Tony. Our standard for righteousness is not Tina. Our standard is Jesus Christ. That's our standard. And Jesus was, was perfect. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. And none of us measure up to, to the standard of God. None of us measure up to Jesus' standard. He was perfect. The scripture says it like this, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned, all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. We, 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 don't, we don't meet up to God's standard. We don't measure up. We all fall. Perfection is God's standard. Jesus is God's standard. And we all fall short. None of us can meet God's standard. None of us are good enough to be right with God. 
And friends, not only do we not measure up, but there are consequences for our sin. And the Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. That, that word wage simply talking about the, the price. There's a, just like you go to the grocery store and buy food and there's a, a price for the goods. There's a price for sin. There's a, a wage for sin. There's a penalty for sin. There's a cost to sin. And the Bible says the cost, the price, the wage is, is death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. Separation from God for all of eternity. But there's hope. There is good news, the Bible says. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus gave his life for our sins. You see, God knew that you and I weren't good enough. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough to rescue ourselves from the punishment of sin. We're not smart enough or good enough to rescue ourselves from the grip of sin. So God looked at us and he said, I got to help humanity. And he gave us a gift, the gift of his son, his one and only son, who paid the price for our sins. Please hear me today. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. People who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. You can never be good enough to get into heaven because we all fall short. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't really need salvation, Herbert, because everybody's going to heaven. <laughs> I mean, I... I I don't know what your deal is thinking, I mean, we need this old salvation thing. I mean, everybody's going to heaven. And listen, listen, please hear me. This is one of the biggest lies our spiritual enemy feeds us today. Everybody's going to heaven. I mean, you, you don't really need to be saved, give your life to Jesus. I mean, just, just believe in some God out there. I mean, just everybody's going. But friends, that, that's not what Scripture says. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, in John 14 and verse number 6, he answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Please hear this. No one comes to the Father except through me. And friends, this is just not a fairy tale. Jesus, not only did he die, but he got up on the third day. And there were 500 eyewitnesses that saw Jesus alive. Now, they, they were so convinced that they saw him alive that many gave their lives for Jesus Christ. They, that they died. They were crucified upside down. I mean, either Jesus is a liar or he's a lunatic, but he's not. Or he's Lord of all. And Jesus is, is Lord. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's not feeding us a bunch of baloney. He came. He lived, he died, he rose again on the third day with all power in his hands. And Jesus, the Son of God, says, listen, it's not good enough just to believe there's a God out there somewhere. He said, it's not, it's not good enough to believe in Buddha or Krishna or Harry Potter or Muhammad. He said, he said listen, I'm the way. I, I, I'm the truth. I'm, I'm the life. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, Verse number 12, Scripture declares, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must 
be saved. Just one man, name given to men to be saved, and that's the name of, of Jesus. And, and hear me today, because oftentimes in, in, in Oklahoma, in the Bible Belt, we get this thinking that it's just about mental ascent. Well, I, I believe in the name of Jesus. I, I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, I have mental ascent to that. I, I believe that's, that's true, and that's not what the Bible is talking about, because the Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 19 that the demons believe that and they tremble. They, 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 they shudder. We're not talking about mental ascent. We're talking about giving your life to Jesus, giving your heart to Jesus, becoming a, a follower of, of Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. Jesus simply says this, everybody's not going to heaven. It's about placing your faith and trust in what I did for you on the cross of Calvary. It's a free gift. Reach out and receive that free gift. There's a second thing that I want to point out to you today. He's not finished. The napkin is still folded. He's not finished recapturing the hearts of those who have fallen away. He's not finished. Let me take you back to the, the Easter story, the, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It, it, it all goes together. Let me take you back to this story, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 33. It says, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Jesus, as he was preparing to die, he was talking to his disciples and he had just told them these words. Listen, you're going to all fall away on account of me. And Peter's response is, listen, I, I will never fall away. And Jesus says in verse 34, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Anybody ever said that before? Lord, if I have to die. Lord, I'll always serve you. Maybe when you were a kid at a youth camp, you said, Lord, I'll always serve you. Maybe you were a teenager and you knelt at the front of a church building and you said, Lord, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Maybe you, you've uttered it when you were an adult. God, I'll always live my life for you. I belong to you. And those were the words of Peter. And friends, can I tell you that the very same day, Peter denied the Lord three times. And not only did he deny the Lord and fall away, but Peter was, was very bodacious when he did it. He was, he, was a, he, he was out there when Peter decided to fall away. The Bible says in Matthew 26 and verse 74, that he began to curse and swear, saying, I don't know the man. In other words, Peter said, bleep, 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 I don't know Jesus. No, 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 we saw you with him. You're one of his disciples. No, I don't know Jesus. Beep, 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 beep. I'm telling you, I don't. And Peter was cussing and swearing and calling down curses from heaven. I don't know Jesus. He, he denied the Lord. And the Bible says something in the account of Luke. When Luke tells us about this, this story in verse 22, he gives us fresh insight. And he says in verse 61, after Peter had denied the Lord three times, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine denying the Lord three times? Cursing up a storm. I don't know him. After you spend three years with him, seeing him do miracles, raise the dead, feed 5,000 people, not counting women and children with two loaves of fish and five, and five pieces of bread. And, and all of a sudden you deny the Lord and he's standing off at a distance and you look up and you lock eyes with your Savior. 
And the Bible says, then Peter remembered as he locked eyes with Jesus, the word the Lord has spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And the Bible says, Peter went outside and wept bitterly. I can only imagine what Peter's going through. The shame. The guilt. The condemnation. How could Jesus ever forgive me? What have I done? I can't, I, I, I wanted to serve the Lord. I, I want, and here I am. I've denied him. What, what have I done to my Savior? And he's weeping bitterly. He's grieving. How could God ever use me again? How could he ever forgive me? And, and maybe some of you are there today. And you can relate to Peter. And you're thinking, man, I've blown it. Man, if you know what I've done. If you know what I've been involved in, I mean, how could God ever forgive me? I've been a, a liar and a cheat, and I grew up in church as a kid, or, and, and, and I, I've just blown it. I, I, I've been having sex outside of marriage. I've committed adultery. I've been involved in witchcraft. I mean, I, 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 I've blown it. How could God ever forgive me? And you're some of you here today, you're mad at God, and you're waving your hand at God. I, I don't know, God, why I hate you. Why did this happen to me? Why did so-and-so die? Why did they molest me? Why? did I go through this? And you're mad. And you're bitter. And you're angry. And you're thinking, how could God ever forgive me and use me? He knows what's in my heart today. And you feel just like, like Peter. And, and the Bible and the Gospel of Mark gives us some more insight to this story. On Easter Sunday morning, when Jesus got up from the grave... This is the account of Mark, chapter 16, verse 7. But when he looked up, they saw, but when, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And this is talking about Mary and Mary, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And they entered the tomb. They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. This is an angel. Verse 6. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's alive. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Verse 7. Now, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. But go tell his disciples and Peter. I like that. I'll become a... Baptist preacher on you today and get an organ up here. And Peter, I tell you today. I mean, that, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Go tell the disciples. And, and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And, and I can just imagine as Mary and Mary, they were running to go tell the disciples. And, and they walk into the house where the disciples were. And they say, guys, you won't believe it that we just left the tomb. And he, Jesus has risen. And there is an angel there. And he told us to come get you guys. Jesus wants to see you. He said, listen, go get the disciples and Peter. Peter. And Peter said, are, are you sure? Just, just a couple of days ago, I, I denied the Lord. 
He heard me cussing and, and swearing. I, I would never fall away. And I, and I did. And I, was, and, and I said, I, 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 I don't know him. And, and are, you, are, you, are you sure? Are you sure that I'm supposed to go see Jesus? Are you sure he still wants me and loves me? Are you sure he'll forgive me? And, and Mary and Mary said, listen, listen, Peter, listen, listen. I mean, we heard the angel of God. And he said, call the disciples. And then he said your name specifically. And Peter. Because we serve a God that forgives. We serve a God that restores. We serve a God of a second chance. Call the disciples and Peter. Because I want to forgive him. Because, listen, God, the angel of God didn't call beat Peter to rebuke him. He called Peter to restore him. You say, Herbert, how do you know that God restored him? Because on the day of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, Peter is the one that God used and anointed to preach the gospel that day. And over 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ because God's a God that restores. God's a God that forgives. God's a God of a second chance. And I'm talking to somebody who's lied and cheated and involved in sex outside of marriage and involved in drugs and alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, bitterness, pride, envy. And I'm here to tell you today, the Lord is calling you. Call my disciples. Antina. Call my disciples. I, I know you messed up. I know you've been cussing and fussing and denying. Call my disciples. And I want you to get time to. Call, call my disciples and get Jake. Call, call my disciples. I, I want you to come because I'm a God that forgives and that restores. And today, the Lord is calling you by name. There was a little boy. Who had done something naughty, really naughty, and his mama punished him. The little boy was brokenhearted, and he thought, how could my mama ever forgive me? I can't believe I've done this. How could she ever forgive me? And the little boy walked into the kitchen, and there was a chalkboard there. And, and the little boy wrote on the chalkboard, he wrote these words, Mom, if you forgive me, Wipe this out. And the little boy went back to his room, head hung low. I've been naughty. I'm messed up. Mama has to be mad at me. How could Mama ever forgive me for what I've done? He spent about an hour in his room sulking. A little boy walked back out of his room. He walked back into the kitchen, and he looked up at the chalkboard where they had kept numbers and different information there, and he noticed on the chalkboard, that it had been wiped clean. And I want you to know today that, that, that you can bring your sins to Jesus. He, he's not intimidated. You can bring all of it to Jesus. You can bring your lying, cheating. You can bring your sexual sins to Jesus. You can bring your bitterness To Jesus, you can bring your pride. To G you can bring it all to Jesus. I want you to know something about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come to take your sin and to rub it in your face. <laughs> look at you. Look what you look. No, 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 no. 
Jesus didn't come to rub it in. He came to rub it off. And Jesus, when you bring your sin to Jesus Christ, he doesn't rub it in your face. He rubs it off and he washes you as white as snow. The napkin is still folded and Jesus is still forgiving sinners. The napkin is still folded and Jesus is alive and he's still restoring those who have fallen away. And he washes your sins as white as snow. And the Bible says that he remembers them no more. Easter, he died. And he got up again on the third day with all power in his hands. And Jesus is not finished. Father, thank you today for your word, for your presence.